would preach the good news of the kingdom of God. Everywhere he went, multitudes of people would show up. Tons of people would just come out to hear him preach. And I'd included all types of people, men. Uh, would come out women and even children. Even children sat down to listen to Jesus teach. Whole families would come out and hear the teaching of Jesus. On one occasion, we read about a time uh, when some well-meaning parents, they, they wanted their children to spend some time with Jesus. They wanted maybe Jesus to pray for them and, and to bless their children. And for some reason, I have this picture of like the, the scene going something like this. Like Jesus maybe just finished talking to like thousands of people or something. He just finished talking to the whole crowd. And maybe, you know, service is done. All right, you guys can go home, have a great week, whatever. And, and, and he's talking to some people. You know, maybe some people had questions. Oh, what, what did you mean by this, Jesus? Or what about that? And so he's still in mid-conversation maybe with some of those people that were listening to his teaching. When all of a sudden, a group of children come running towards him. And they come, they come running towards him. Maybe they're a little rambunctious. Maybe they're, you know, they're a little loud the way kids can be sometimes. And they run up to him. And I just picture these kids coming to Jesus. Maybe some of them have snot coming out their nose. You know how kids are sometimes, <laughs> right? Maybe they had tangled hair. Maybe they had dirty hands from playing in the dirt and playing with rocks. And they come to Jesus, and what do they do? They start touching his hands and putting their germs all over him. They, they're pulling on his clothing and stuff. And, and, and they're like, Jesus, pick me up or something, you know? They're pulling on his clothes. They're sneezing and <laughs> coughing all over him, you know? And then we read that the disciples were annoyed by this. The disciples were actually annoyed um, by this situation. You know, in a lot of ways, I think we live in a culture like this where many people see kids as a nuisance, unfortunately. You know, they, they see kids as annoying and as pests, right? You know, they're basically burping, slurping, crying, messy fart machines, right? And that's what they are. And we kind of get the picture that the disciples, at least in this moment, you know, at least in this moment, they kind of felt like that. Maybe it was because they thought they were doing Jesus a favor. Like, yo, you know, rabbi just finished teaching. Give the guy a break. Like, yo, parents, can you please put a leash on your kids, right? You know, can you come get your, your, your booger, cootie, infected hands off of Jesus, right? But then Jesus corrects them in that moment. And he says this in Matthew chapter 19, verse 14. He says this. Leave the children alone and don't try to keep them from coming to me because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. So You see, children had a special place in the heart of Jesus. In fact, many times he would refer to them in his teachings constantly. He would talk about them. He would say things like, you know, you should have faith like that of a child, childlike faith. Or he would say, you know, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven are, are children. In fact, I love what the psalmist teaches, what the psalmist says in Psalms chapter 127, verse 3. I would love if you guys would read this verse along with me. It's there in your bulletins, in your notes, and it's also up on the screen right here. Why don't we read it nice and loud? Are you ready? Go. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. I love what the psalmist teaches about this. Ten years ago, my wife and I, our, our lives changed forever when we welcomed this little guy here, Junior, when Junior came into the world, our lives changed forever. Um, and then, would you guys believe it that just about a year and four months, man, we didn't get much of a break there at all. Junior's still very little. You know, we welcomed Christian into the into the picture, and he came around. Yeah, I don't know what he's looking at there. He's not not at the camera. And so we welcomed Christian into the world, and uh, and thought, we thought we were done. You know, two years in a row, boom, boom, diapers, babies, whatever. 
Three years later, God surprises once again, and then we welcome, you know, Melody into the world. And that was little, that was little Melody. And just like that, in a matter of no time, we grew into a family of five. And children truly are a blessing from the Lord. You know, we're continuing this series. It's called This Is Us. And it's all about marriage. It's all about family. It's all about parenting and work, just like Stephen mentioned a moment ago. But today we've arrived at a portion in the book of Ephesians where Paul is going to help us see as believers, that is as followers of Jesus Christ, how we should live out our faith both as children and as parents. How, how do we live out? This, we say we're Christians. We say we're followers of Jesus. How do we live out our faith in that relationship between parent and child? Remember that we mentioned the first half of Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus was rich in gospel theology, right? It was the first three chapters are all about how we were dead in our sin and our trespasses and how we were made alive in Christ. And as you accept that gospel message, as you accept the gospel of Jesus Christ into your heart, it begs the question, how does one live that out? Like when you, you accept the gospel, okay, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, but now how do you live that out? How does it impact your everyday life? And this is what Paul is helping us see in the second half of Ephesians, chapters 3 through 6. He's telling us, guys, here are the implications of the gospel. In other words, here is how our faith fleshes itself out. This is how we live it out. And the past two weeks, like Stephen just mentioned, we were talking about how a healthy marriage, a healthy gospel-centered marriage looks like. A marriage that is founded upon Christ means that there's a submission and there's a sacrificial love. And with all that loving in a marriage, what is the natural outcome? There's all that loving. Guess what? There's going to be children, right? Children are going to come into the picture. So when a man and a woman, when the two become one flesh, right, the natural outcome of that is children. And it's a beautiful thing, amazing even, if you think about it, right? It's amazing how that happens. The product of man and woman together is child. God designed the anatomy of a man and the anatomy of a woman to complement each other. But guys, this is also why the perversion of marriage that, that has been experienced since biblical times, really nothing new, up until today, this is why it's so blatantly disrespectful to God. Okay, because the two of the same gender cannot experience the same reproducibility, right? That they can't happen. And the same way God institutes marriage, like we spoke about two weeks ago, He institutes marriage, since He institutes it, He says how it goes. He also institutes family. And this is why our spiritual, our spiritual enemy, Satan, loves to attack families because he can attack the very thing that God instituted, the very thing that God created. So today, what we're going to be doing as we read through this passage, we're going to be looking at four things that Paul advises children and parents. Now, I want to remind you about something, okay? Remember this, that this is for families that are rooted, that are built upon, and are founded upon the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? He, he's not writing to non-Christians. He's writing to the church in Ephesus, right? So if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe this doesn't make any sense to you. Okay, now, I think if you're not a follower of Jesus, you might be able to pick up some good principles and apply. But ultimately, this is written to families that have founded their lives upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because, guys, it is only in the gospel that we see perfectly modeled humility and obedience and honor and patience and love and all the things we're going to be talking about today. It is perfectly modeled in. It is perfectly seen in Jesus. 
Otherwise, it just doesn't make sense, okay? So here's four things that Paul is going to teach us. Here's number one. Here's where you take out your message notes. I love to take notes, and so that's why we put that in there. I think it's a great way to stay focused on what we're talking about today. And you're going to notice that some fill-in-the-blanks there, okay? So you can go ahead, take your pen, fill-in-the-blanks, take as much notes as you feel comfortable doing. Here's number one in your notes. Children should obey their parents. Children should obey their parents. That's the first thing that Paul is going to help us see. He says it this way in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. You have it there in your notes. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. Would you guys circle the word obey right there in your notes and then underline in the Lord. Underline that phrase right there. We'll talk about that in a moment. Paul says, children, obey your parents. Simple enough, right? All right, next point. No, I'm just kidding. We've got to talk about this a little bit because you would think it's simple enough. It's pretty intuitive, but we live in a fallen, sin-stricken world, don't we? And so we have to teach our children to obey because the disobedience thing, they're pretty good at that already, right? Without any lessons, right? They're pretty good at doing that on their own. They got that pretty packed down. So we got to talk about the obedience thing. But here's, here's why. Here's why children should obey their parents. I want to give you guys a couple reasons. If you're an extra note taker like me, you can fill up the margins. You can write this down. Three things, okay? Here's why children should obey their parents. First of all, because of the order of the family. The order of the family. You see, God designed the family with this order. Remember what we mentioned these past two weeks. Husbands are to lovingly and sacrificially lead their homes. Women are to humbly and lovingly submit to their husband's leadership. And children are to obey their parents. That's the order that God creates and institutes for us in Scripture. And this makes sense. Doesn't that make sense? Whenever you see this order tampered with, that's when you run into a disorderly family. right? That's when you see a disorderly family structure whenever this is tampered with. You wouldn't call a child who makes his parents do whatever he wants... A model child, right? You wouldn't tell your kid, hey, you should do what this guy does, you know? He has his parents on a leash and they make him do whatever, he makes them do whatever he wants. That's not a model child. Likewise, parents who give in to their every child's request, those aren't model parents, right? They're not on parent on the cover of Parent Magazine, right? <laughs> you, you would call that child, what? A spoiled brat. And you would call those parents disorderly, right? Okay, so why should children obey their parents? It's the God-given order of the family. Here's the second reason, because of the well-being of the child. Why should children obey their parents? Because it's the, for the well-being of the child. Isn't it beneficial for the child to obey his or her parents? Isn't it? Right? What does a parent want for their child? What does a good parent, a parent that is you know, seeking Jesus, centered on the gospel, what do they want for their child? Only the best. You want their well-being. A parent wants, to, wants their child to be safe and sound, to receive the best education possible, so on and so forth. So children, obey your parents because your parents want what's best for you. They don't want to harm you. They want what's best for you. And honestly, we can even connect this to our, our, our relationship with our Heavenly Father, couldn't we? Could we connect it to that? How often do we choose to disobey our Heavenly Father because we think that He's trying to be some big cosmic killjoy? Come on, God, you you, you don't want me to have fun, God. You don't want me to enjoy my life. That's why you don't want me to do this and that and the other, right? Because you don't want me to. How many conversations I've had with people far from God, people that aren't Christians or followers of Jesus, man, I don't want to follow Jesus because then I'll have to stop doing X, Y, and Z, right? And so we think that, man, we we disobey God because we think that he's trying to kill our fun, right? But, But that's not true. In reality, 
God is a good father. Just like you guys are good parents to your children and want the best for your children, God is a good father, and he only wants the best for his children, the children that he dearly loves. Guys, God is not out to kill your fun. He's here to give you an abundant life, if anything is what Scripture says. He's not here to kill your fun. All right, so why should children obey their parents? Is the order of the family. God institutes it. It's for the well-being of the child. And here's the third reason. Parents have age and wisdom. Parents have age and wisdom. All right, kids, I got some news for you guys. Those of you that, if you're still living under your parents' roof, you don't know it all. And I know that's like surprising, but you don't. I know you think you do, but you don't, okay? I know you know you know how to Google stuff, and you know how to set up Wi-Fi, and you know how to download bootleg movies from YouTube. That's great, and I'm glad that you can do that, but you don't know it all. And God has given you parents to guide you, to share wisdom, and to experience, and experience to help you in life. Right? I think about my dad, for me personally. Every time he's told me to do something and I didn't listen, it always went bad for me without fail. <laughs> You know, for example, he would tell me, Daniel, they, they call me Daniel. Daniel, make sure you check your oil. You know, check your car. Make sure the oil is good. And I say, man, Papa, you crazy. I still got 500 miles on it before I have to check. And sure enough, guess what would happen? The check engine light comes on. The oil light comes on. The car won't turn on. Something's going to happen. And then I'm going to think to myself, man, I really wish I would have listened to that. All right? You see, guys, parents have age and experience and wisdom. Look at what the book of Proverbs says. Why don't we read this verse together? Proverbs chapter 13, verse 1. You guys ready? Let's read it. Go. A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a mocker does not respond to rebuke. All right? A wise son, a wise child listens to his father's instructions. Which are you? Are you obedient? Do you listen to, to your parents? Do you obey your parents? And they want the best for you, okay? So often we think that our parents want to kill our fun. That they're uptight and cranky and oh, they might be, they might be all those things, but 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 they really have our best interests at heart, don't they? They really have our best interests at heart. Consider this example. Can I give you guys a real life example? This week we were heading to the parking lot. We were gonna go somewhere. I was. We were gonna get in the car. And my kids know we have a very specific rule about the parking lot, and that is no running in the parking lot. But you know how kids are. They love to race each other. Who can get to the car first, blah, 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 right? And they like to race each other and stuff. But guys, the parking lot is so dangerous because people are always in a rush. My neighbors, you know, they're always in a rush. They don't even look back. They pull out of their parking spot. You know, we're, you know, our kids are some of the youngest in the building. A lot of those people already, their kids are grown up and move out and have their own kids and stuff. And so when they get in their car, they get in, they back up, they don't look. They're just in a rush and they want to get out. You know, I don't know what, what is it with you New Yorkers always in a rush, always late, okay? But they're always late. So I tell my kids all the time, don't run. Don't run in the parking lot. The kids know this. But as you can imagine, it doesn't stop them from doing it. So we open the door to go into the parking lot and Melody dashes out. She just runs, you know? She's like, like she's, she's running a marathon. She's like going for the goal, you know? Like she's in the Olympics or something. Go through the door, she runs, she dashes out, and I yell at her and I call her name because this is a rule. And she doesn't listen. And she keeps running. I yell her name louder and she continues to run. So finally, I yell her name so loud. I, I tell you, if you were around the block, you would have heard my voice. That's how loud I yell her name. I'm sure it ran shivers down her spine. Right? And I'm sure like every neighbor looked out the window like, what's going on? Like somebody died. I called her, I yelled her name that loud. But why did I do that? 
Was it because I wanted to keep her from having fun? Was it because I wanted to keep her from burning calories? Was it because I was in a bad mood that day? Maybe. It could be. I wouldn't deny it. But it was for her own safety. It was for her own well-being. It was to keep her alive. It was to keep her healthy. It was to keep her well. So the last thing I want to show you guys from this verse, before we move on to this next point, is I want you to check this out. Look at the verse again, okay? Children, obey your parents in what? In the Lord. I asked you guys to underline that. And I think that's super important for us to notice because it speaks to the motive behind why we should obey. Listen, obey your parents, that's the clear command. What do you have to do? Obey your parents. Just do it. That's what you have to do. In the Lord, that's the motive. That's the motive behind why we should obey our parents. We obey in the Lord out of obedience to God. We obey because God has given us teachable, moldable, humble, and obedient hearts in Christ Jesus. Okay, a rebellious child has no motive to obey and to submit to their parents. They have no motive. But in Christ, in Christ, guys, we have the perfect example of obedience and submission. You see, guys, Jesus obeys the Father and he submits willingly to death on a cross for the good of each and every single one of us. And the Bible says that we were dead in our sin and our trespasses. The Bible says that the wages of our sin is death. Our sin is not a little white lie. It's not a little candy that you stole. It's a chasm that is created between us and God. And what your sin and what my sin deserves is eternal damnation, is eternal separation from a holy and a righteous God. That is what our sin deserves. But God in his infinite love for us sends Jesus and Jesus Jesus obeys the Father, willingly submits his life. He lives the life that we could not live, and he dies the death that you and I deserve. Three days later, he conquers Satan's sin and death, and he resurrects from the grave. And in his death, we experience the forgiveness of our sin. And in his life, we experience newness of life. That's what, that's what we get in the gospel. That is the gospel. And we see Jesus perfectly model humility and submission in that. So if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to put your faith in Him. The Bible says that all you have to do is confess your sin and He'll be faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. They said, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead and you will experience salvation. Put your faith in Jesus and you can experience salvation. And so if you haven't done that, I want to invite you to do that. You don't have to wait to the end of our message to do that. In fact, on the back of your connection card, it says it right there. Make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior. And if you haven't done that, then I want to recommend you do that. And we want to encourage you. Here's what's going to happen. As a church family, we want to come alongside you. We want to equip you. We want to love you. We want to help you take your next steps in Christ. So if you haven't done that, then we encourage you, encourage you to do it. You don't have to wait for the end of the service to do that. All right, here's number two. Here's the second thing that Paul's going to teach us in your notes. <coughs> Children should honor their parents. Children should honor their parents. Ephesians 2, 2 to 3 says this. Oh, by the way, I'm sorry. It's 6. Would you guys take your pens? That's a little typo. You notice that? It's in my notes too. Uh, where it says 2, 2 to 3, it's 6. Cross out the 2 and put 6, 2 to 3. Okay? That way when you go home, you're not confused. Like, what am I reading? All right? Ephesians 6, 2 to 3. Here's what it says. Honor your father and mother... Okay? which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. Honor 
your father and your mother. You see, here Paul makes reference to one of the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. These are the Ten Commandments that were given by God to Moses for the Israelites. And it was what? Honor thy father and thy mother, right? He goes on to say that it was one of the, the, one of the commandments with a promise, Right? The other commandments did not come with a promise. It doesn't mean that there wasn't any blessings attached to them, but this one was specifically stated. This one had a promise. Now, there's a difference. If, if you're here and you're asking yourself, Daniel, isn't that kind of the same thing? What's the difference between obedience and honor? There's, here's the difference between obedience and honor. You see, obedience deals with our outward actions. Right? Mom says, take out the trash. What do you do? You take out the trash. Dad gives you instructions. What do you do? You follow those instructions. That's outwardly. You can do those things outwardly and inwardly you can despise and you can dishonor your parents inwardly. You see, honor can be demonstrated, but it's always given. It's always given. It's a posture. It's a posture. You give your parents honor simply because God has given them to you as your parents. You give them honor. Now, parents, I want you to pay attention to this as well, because we need to understand the immense responsibility that God has placed on us as their parents. We are to care for, we are to protect, we are to guide, and we are to shepherd our children, right? That's what we are to do, and that's a huge responsibility that God has given us as parents. And if we demand obedience, and if we demand honor, guess what? We have to live honorably. Right? We have to live in a way that is deserving of honor. So here's the question to ask for yourself, parents. Are you loving, parenting, discipling, training, teaching, instructing, shepherding, and providing in a way that is deserving of honor? Are you doing that? Strive to be that parent. Strive to be a parent that is worthy of honor. All right, here's number three in your notes. We are jumping from the kids to the parents now, okay? Parents, number three, parents shouldn't stir up anger in their children. Here's the way Paul says it in the very first part of verse four. He says this, fathers, don't stir up anger in your children. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children. Parents, we have the responsibility to both instruct and discipline or correct our children. That's the responsibility that we have as parents. And if there's no correction, what do you get? You get wow, spoiled brats that no one can contain, right? But in that correction, we must be careful to not stir up anger in our children. Here's one of the ways that it plays itself out. Have you ever had a rough day? Have you had a, a difficult day where everything seems to be going wrong? You woke up late. You didn't hear the alarm. You burned your toes. Your boss got on your case because you were late to work. You missed your train. You spilled your coffee. And everything that you can think of has gone wrong. Then to top it all off, you come home from work, you're tired, you're frustrated, you're angry, and little Sally Sue or Billy Bob wants to act out after your long and stressful day. What do you do in that situation? Well, out of anger and frustration, you might just lash out at your child. You might say something that you don't really mean. You might overly punish them simply because you were not in your right mind in that moment. Because you were frustrated and overwhelmed. All the pressures of life overwhelmed you and you took it out on your child. Do not discipline your children out of anger or frustration. What should you do instead? Well, what should you do? Maybe take a deep breath. Walk, walk out of the room. Say a, say a prayer. Take a moment to reflect on the situation. 
Take a moment to reflect on the anger and the frustration that you're feeling in that moment. Is it? And think to yourself, is it best for me to do this right now? And if not, then, then maybe you can deal with it when your mind is a little clearer. And you can hand out you know, whatever discipline or punishment you think is appropriate. But don't do it out of anger and frustration. Now here's what I want you to notice. Everybody pick up your pens and circle the first word right there in verse 4. Look who directly he's referring to. Who? Father. Circle the word fathers right there. All right. Obviously this can apply to us as parents, but there's a special call out to us men, to those of us that are fathers. Paul goes on to men again. Uh, it's been three weeks of you know hitting the men hard here, okay? All right? But he calls out the men because men for far too long have withdrawn from their families and prefer to flip channels or scroll through Facebook than to be present in their children's lives. And they think, oh, you know, I'll just leave the correcting and the discipline to mom. I'll let her take care of all of that, and I don't have anything to do with this. I'll be kick my feet up. I had a long day at work. I'm just going to flip channels to catch up on my sports. All right? Men, I want to speak a little life to us right now. Those of you that are fathers... And some of you that have potential to be fathers, right? There's there's the seed in you to be a father one day. Listen to this carefully. Men, we will not stand idly by. We will step up to the call of God. We will be the men of God that God has called us to be. We will be the men of God our wives and our children need us to be. We will not simply be baby daddies. We will be fathers. Okay? We will be fathers. There's a God-given responsibility given to us as men by God, and we will step up to the plate. We're not going to stand idly by. Let me just speak some life into you men. We're not going to stand idly by. We're going to step up into the role that God has called us to be. Fathers, fathers, parents shouldn't stir up anger in their children. Here's the last point right there in your notes. Number four, parents should raise their children in the ways of the Lord. This is so important. This is so, so important. Parents should raise their children in the ways of the Lord. Let's read it again. Verse four, fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That's verse four, chapter six. Guys, this is so important. Lean in right here. Pay attention, okay? Parents. We have the responsibility of raising our children in the ways of the Lord. By the way, let me just say this real quick. Some of you, maybe, I don't know. Let me just say this just came to mind. Maybe you're thinking, Danny, I don't have no kids in this church. I don't have any, I don't have any children. We've been without kids or whatever. Let me, let me speak to you for a second, okay? Because this church is a family. And so guess what? If you come to this church, you call this home, you're welcome to the family. You're part of this family. And the children that are over there, guess what? They're your children. All right, you just you just adopted a whole bunch of kids today, and we need you to see yourself as their spiritual parents, their spiritual uncles, and spiritual aunts. I need you to see yourself as that, okay? So maybe you don't have children that come to this church or whatever, but I need I need you to see yourself as that because us parents, we need you. All right, we we need your help. This is a family, right? And so the parents can't take it all on our own. And we need aunts and uncles and grandparents and we need everybody to step in and help us out, okay? So, so welcome to the family. We need you, okay? Uh, so that just popped into my mind. That wasn't here. It's a freebie. But we need you, okay? But parents, it is our job to bring them into the training and instruction of the Lord. We cannot be of the mentality, oh, Danny, that's the church's job. 
That's why I bring them. Otherwise, I would just leave them with grandma. I come here to church by myself. That's the church's job to do that. Right? That's why we have a kids ministry so they can teach them Bible. So, so they can do it. No, 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 no. No, we're not going to be of that. We don't have that view here. All right? We don't have that view here. No, no, no. We care deeply about your children. That's why we've been making all these announcements about a Swerve Kids training. And that's why those of you that volunteer with our Swerve Kids are going to have to give up a couple hours on your Saturday because we want to train you and equip you to disciple our children, okay? Because we care very much about our kids. And yes, they're over there and they're not just, you know, eating goldfish and being babysat, okay? They're learning the gospel. They're learning Bible verses. They're worshiping Jesus, okay? That's what they're doing back there. But this is only supplemental, to what you are supposed to be doing as their first shepherds, okay? I need you, parents, to see yourself as your kids' pastors. I need you to see yourself as their pastor. You pastor your children. You are their leader. You are their teacher long before our wonderful Swerve Kids teachers are, okay? One of the, uh, you know, maybe you think to yourself, but Danny, how can I do that? I'm not no spiritual giant. I can't, I can't do that. That's tough. Listen, let me give you some advice. Here's what you need to realize. This is simple. Your kids will mimic you. Our kids mimic us, don't they? They will follow our lead. And one of the best ways that you can shepherd, one of the best ways you can lead and pastor them is by giving them an example to follow. It's one of the best ways that you can shepherd them. Listen, for me, as a pastor of Swerve Church, one of the best things I can do as your pastor is make sure that my walk with Christ is vibrant and growing. I can't tell you to get into God's word if I'm not. I can't call you to repent of sin if I'm not repenting of sin. I can't call you to pray if I'm not praying. I can't call you to worship if I don't have my hands up lifted high worshiping Jesus. All right? I can't, I can't have you do that if I'm not doing it myself. And so one of the best gifts that I can give you as your pastor is not, you know, a Dunkin', you go hang out with you in Dunkin' Donuts or give you dinner or hang out with you. That's not the best gift. I love to do that stuff, and I'll continue to do that stuff. But the best gift that I can give you is to make sure that my walk with Jesus is on fire. That way you can follow me as I follow Jesus. You understand? That's the best thing. And so the question I want to give you guys is what example are you giving your children? What example are you giving your children? All right? Is reading God's word a priority in your life? You cannot expect your kids to fall in love with God's word if it's not important to you. So, all right, Danny. Great. But what can I do? Well, get started with it today. In fact, use the opportunity that you have to read God's Word for yourself and the need to teach your kids to read God's Word. And why don't you get them together and read a couple verses together? It's not rocket science. Open your Bible, you read through the book of John or something, read a couple verses with your kids. Is community important to you? Is getting together with God's people, is that important to you? Have you made uh, you know, uh, that a priority in your life? Do you make gathering here at church on Sunday a priority? Is life group, getting together in life group, we just finished our semester, is that a priority to you? Is that important to you? Then you cannot expect your children to fall in love with church and ministry if it's not a priority to you. It's not, if it's not a priority to you, then why are you going to make your kids love, fall in love with church and community if it's not important to you? So what can you do? Set your alarm and to come early the way you do it for work and for everything else. Set your alarm and come to church. Make it a priority. Come to life group. Make it a priority in your life because your children are learning from what you do. For far too long, we've had the, we've had the adage that says, you know, do as I say, not as I do. And that don't function. That's not real life. 
Okay? Our children are going to mimic what we do. So is community important to you? Are you making poor choices and life decisions? You cannot expect your child to make good decisions and good choices if you're not leading them in that. So are you growing in obedience to God? Are you growing in your own personal sanctification? Are you saying no more and more to the things of this world and yes to the things of God? Are you spending time in prayer? Are you seeking God daily in prayer? Are you crying out to Him? Are you worshiping Him? Do you take out time to pray with your children? You cannot expect them to have this great connection to the Father through prayer if you don't model it for them. So what, Danny, so what can I do? Here's a great place to start. Every night when you cook dinner, everybody have their meal at the same time. Turn off the TV, mute it, put the phone down, and let's, let's say a prayer for our meal. That's a great place to start. Yeah. When you tuck your kids in at night, or if they're older, before they say goodnight, why don't you pray with them? If they're smaller, say, hey, repeat this prayer after me. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. Thank you for my food. Thank you for grandma. Thank you. Teach them and model for them and show them what it repeat. Have them repeat a prayer after you. Parents, do you see the responsibility that we have? Because I'm a parent. Do we see the responsibility that we have in raising our children in the ways of the Lord? And guess what? Let me encourage you right now. By God's grace, we can do it. You can do it. You can be the parent that God has called you to be. You can be the shepherd, the leader, the pastor, the parent that your children need you to be. By God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do it. Let me encourage you with that. You can. Children, do you see how God wants to use your obedience and the honoring of your parents for your own good. By doing so, you honor your parents, but guess what? You also bring honor to the Father. You bring honor to God by doing that as well. Would you guys join me in prayer? Lord, I acknowledge we recognize that we are all children. We are all children. Otherwise, we wouldn't, have, we wouldn't exist. We wouldn't be here right now. We're all somebody's child. So I pray that you help us to remain teachable. Help us to remain honest with ourselves. Help us to remain humble. And Holy Spirit, help us remove pride. Help us remove pride and help us obey and honor our parents. For those of us who are parents, help us to not stir up anger in our children and to lovingly lead them into a deeper connection and relationship with Jesus. God, thank you for being a good father to us. Thank you for the good example, the great example you give us of being a good, good father to us. And thank you, Jesus, for modeling obedience and honor. And we ask that you help us do the same. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.